Hello, everyone, and welcome to Phone Calls with Brendan and Ian. I'm Brendan Garland, and I'm a visual artist and creative. And I'm Ian Schaller. I'm a personal trainer and a philosopher. Brendan and I met at college in the Midwest, but now, living on opposing coasts, we keep in touch through phone calls, which we are sharing with you. As a podcast, phone calls is freeform, authentic, and natural, much as any conversation to a friend would be. Using mindfulness as our guide, we unpack our daily lives and travel across a spectrum of topics, which ultimately lead us back to mindfulness. As the listener, we hope our phone calls give you insight on how to allow yourself to simply be and live more consciously. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of phone calls. This week, Ian and I are joined by Ian's good friend, Joe Lewis. Joe is a guide, coach, yoga teacher, and an avid barefoot runner. Joe, during this podcast, shared with us so many interesting stories, and I feel like we barely scratched the surface of his life. Uh, Ian knows him much better than I. This is my first time meeting him. I wish we could have gone on this podcast forever. We'll definitely have to have Joe back. Unfortunately, during this podcast, there were some audio difficulties. So just keep that in mind as you listen and try to listen with an open mind. I hope that Joe's messages come through loud and clear because I feel like he threw out some really, really important things during that that uh, I think everyone will gain great insights from. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Joe. Thank you. So Joe and I, well... Yeah, we were both at the garden this morning volunteering, and that's actually where I met Joe and wanted to invite him on because he's a fascinating human. Um, yeah, who are you, Joe? Uh, Joseph Coulter Lewis, born in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, I'm 41. I am a yoga teacher, uh, a PE coach, alt coach, soccer coach. Rugby coach. Um, I moved out to North Carolina in March, right when the pandemic hit. And um, yeah, I love trail running and pretty much anything to do with body and and uh, natural movement and trail running and ultra marathons and. Uh, barefoot running I got into that about five years ago and um, yeah I've just been trying to incorporate my spiritual physical practices together and figure out you know I'm just like all over the map um, but trying to sort of um, bring different yoga practices and principles my other sports and vice versa, you know, um, as my practice. And since I've been here, it's been a lot of gardening and, and service work, food bank. I've been dancing around at the food bank, doing a lot of Wim Hof training, jumping in all the rivers. Uh, so, yeah, been in recovery for about, you know, a lot of 12 step stuff, been in recovery for about six and a half years. So, that's, I don't know. What else do you want to know? You said you uh, traveled to Zimbabwe. I was in your day and you showed me that stone you carved out a little bit too. Oh, yeah. I 
traveled a uh, semester abroad in college in, in Africa and Zimbabwe. And then after college, I traveled all through Latin America, backpacking around. Um, I was trying to write a book actually about playing soccer and soccer. Brazil just won their fifth World Cup. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to like, it was like loosely titled Journey to the Mecca of Soccer. And I was playing and trying out for teams. And so I have a big sports background. Um, but I've sort of been moving away from more structured and competitive sports recently. Um, though I just played some pickup soccer in Asheville, which was a lot of fun. It's one of the few sort of social things, uh, movement be still happening. Mm-hmm. Hope I didn't get COVID. From it. Yeah. <laughs> We're sitting six feet apart. <laughs> just, just to clarify. Just to, outside. Socially distant. Good. That's good. You said you asked the question, um, why does he see himself moving away from more structured sports to more mm. um, yogic practices, spiritual practices? Is that correct? Well, a few different reasons. I was a rugby player at the end there, and that wasn't helping out very much. Um, There's a lot of drinking and the competitiveness um, was causing more harm than good for me. Uh, I think at least for me that I was brought up in a very competitive environment, like a lot of expectations, eat in sports and school, go to the, you know, my dad went to Harvard and my brother went to Harvard and Georgetown and, you know, side of my family is like super, you know, um, achieving, you know, which to me, but so compensate more internal spiritual practices to, but I, I still like, I love sports. I still love a lot of soccer, love watching rugby and I'll play, but I'm also getting old, 41 now. So rugby put out of the question. Mm-hmm. Um, although and I was injured, too, from those sports. That was a big part of it. I was a big skier and a big player. I was uh, and a big track. I ran track all four years in college. And I blew out my hamstring two or three times. And I had splints and all through my chins. And then I was my back was getting jacked up. So basically, the reason I started doing spiritual stuff was to fix myself from the competitive stuff almost. I think I gave you some homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm curious how that went. You want to know about the homework? Or, um, I've talked about like my kind of movement a lot. And Brendan, I was just telling Joe while you were gone um, about your yoga practice and a little bit about your skateboarding and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, if there's anything you want to add to that for and then he did ask about the, the Tibet yoga, which was like the five rights, the five Tibetans. You said you've been practicing straight for like 90 days. Yeah. Well, I've just been following some videos that Ian recommended. Some kind of yoga teachers on YouTube. Uh, yoga with Adrian is like primarily what I've been doing. She has like a couple 30 day challenges, which I like uh, just because they follow 
you know, she structures them in a way that follows this kind of arc. And, you know, one day you're working out part of your body and then the next day you're giving it a rest or working out, you know, a similar part of your body, but in a different way. So. It's got a good progression and good, good repetition. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I started to, uh, this week for the homework, I started to incorporate the Tibetan rites into, uh, oh, I played around with them a little. So I started, did it at the beginning of my yoga practice and then I did it at the end. Um, and then the days where I didn't do my yoga, I just tried to incorporate them in wherever I could. But I found that the, that I really enjoyed doing them right before my yoga practice. It kind of, uh, like centered me a little more and then got me in that mindset. It was like a nice kind of transition from just regular life into this practice. And so then I did that for the last two days. Yeah, it's a good warm up. Good, good. I was kind of in good as like a not not in the super intense practice in and of itself, but you can use it that way. And I do a lot. That's like the one thing I have time for, you know. Mm-hmm. It can also be like a, a warm up into something else too. I think it's really nice as well. That's great. I'm glad. Like you are feeling some positive results from that. Why did you, or why have you integrated it into your daily practice? I'm interested in that. I learned that. Um, I learned them at my teacher training, my yoga teacher training. Mm. What was it? 2010, 2012. So it's been a while. But, um, I don't know, Tibetan philosophy, Dalai Lama philosophy, I love yoga. I love just thinking about those dudes up in caves, like, just like, I don't know, just being badass, Milarepa, and just like surviving winters with just their breath and like a bag of rice, you know, like, I'm kind of into it. YouTube and found some documentaries on Tibet that you don't really hear about in the yoga world too much. But it made sense to combine the Buddhism with the yoga. And then that was like, that had the intention setting, the, the breath. I tried to incorporate the breath with it and the movement and the repetition. So it just, it sort of has all the elements that I, that are that I feel are most effective for me in, in a morning practice or sort of a combined uh, spiritual, physical, moving, med- moving meditation practice. Mm. The four five, has all the four or five crucial elements that I really need. So, um, you're super into to yoga and you feel like the Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> There's something like that has always fascinated me about um, 
um, like the hero's journey and like the sense mm-hmm. of adventure mm-hmm. and uh, having like that mentor or master mm-hmm. as um, I don't know either someone you look up to or someone to you look to for guidance. Guidance. You know, it's, it's fascinating that you you almost compare the two. Well, yeah. yoga and Yoda are one word off, so there's that. <laughs> like, was George Lucas like practicing? yoga when he <laughs> conceived of yoda <laughs> well i read read an article about how he came up with yoda and, uh, it was in a dream frog like a frogman came to him started talking to him and so i was i read that and i was like oh. yeah. and then like in in animal medicine spirit the frog spirit mm-hmm. was just cool yeah my mom used there's just weird serendipitous things my mom used to see me like like as a kid yeah and then i don't know i was born in 79 and when did new hope come out 77 and so i was like five or six when empire came out or like four or five but then i really got into empire and that's when that luke's training with yoda in the swamp and um I don't know. I just love sports and I love running around the woods. And yeah. I was like, whoa, there's like, maybe there's a cool guy out there in the woods that are, and clearly my dad, <laughs> I, you know, I had some issues with my dad. He wasn't very present. And uh, I like to have a master like in the woods that would train me and teach me all this cool shit and like how to climb vines and like do one handed up, you know, handstands and stuff and like lift the box. Mm-hmm. It just played, yeah, it just played into my childhood like fantasy stuff right away. But Yoda says some really profound shit in there, and like, I don't know. The more I've studied twelve step and Buddhism and and yoga, the more I hear Yoda like through through the words too. Like, it's it's kind of the same stuff, um, you know, nonviolence, uh, honesty. Um, principles just keep repeating um because i know self be true like just about being aware of what i'm feeling and you know trust your trust your feelings luke mm-hmm. my family did not have feelings growing up you know like mm-hmm. so like that was in and of itself a pretty profound message for me mm-hmm. and then um I don't know. I think that anything that ends in awe, you can pray to. Because if you think about it, Joshua, that's Jesus's real name, mm-hmm. Yahweh, God, Buddha, mm-hmm. Krishna, mm-hmm. Allah, Yoda. Mm-hmm. Like there's something about like coming from a yogic perspective, I started to get in this idea of embodiment. Like, what if I lived in a swamp like as a little frog person? Or what if I lived like barefoot like Jesus did? What if I ran around the desert barefoot like Jesus or St. Francis? Like, would that, would anything happen to me? Like, as mm-hmm. an body a lab. And embodiment, like having an open mouth. I mean, this is, I, you know, yoga chanting teaching. Like, that's the receptivity of to the universe to receiving the um 
message, any message that your higher power, or whatever you want to call it, would be sending back. So there's something to the open hand. You know, there's all these mudras too in yoga with your hands. Um, receptivity. You know, I don't necessarily believe in all the sort of um, subtle body sort of, I can, I don't know. Uh, there's something to a lot of that, but I also try not to get too distracted by a lot of the sort of more, more esoteric elements of, of yoga just because I use it because it helps me. And Yoda's part of that. That showed me there was a, a way to be without, um, a way of being honest in the world. And like part of the hero, and maybe a hero even. So, I don't know if that's, I, you know, I'm not going to be Luke Skywalker, but right. <laughs> be the best deal Luke be, right? <laughs> And do a service. I mean, the hero's journey is always about bringing the gift back. Yeah. And finding the jewel, slaying the dragon, and bringing it back to your community. So, and that's big in the 12 steps, you know, bringing the message, being of service to the next suffering person. But it's that's what it's really been distilled out as to me, especially during COVID now, more recently. Mm. And Yodas does all that too. Yeah. I and mean, he says all that stuff. Mm. You know, he's in service to the the balance of the force, mm -hmm. which I mean, replace force with whatever religious term or higher power term you want. Mm -hmm. Reality or in Buddhism, it's uh, dharma or karma. You know, it's a balance, balancing of the um, you know, yin and yang, the Tao, same stuff. the order although i'm kind of into the gray jedis now which is kind of more cool than yoda i, I hate to say it <laughs> well yoda yoda says that only the sith deal in absolutes uh -huh. but when yoda says that uh, guess what that is <laughs> that's an absolute mm. are like qui-gon who is everyone's um, they say he was kind of a gray Jedi because he threw the dice in that first episode mm. and he was making that bet for, with, for Anakin with his um, mask or whatever. And then in the animated stuff, there's a character called Ahsoka who trains under Anakin. Yeah. And she becomes, she, she sort of almost goes to the dark side, but then goes back, uh, but then relinquishes the Jedi and the Sith. And she's like my new favorite character. So Katano. If you haven't watched the animated uh, stuff, it's pretty awesome. It's on my list right after I finish. There's uh, a great Yoda episode where you figure out where it shows how he figures out how to become a force ghost and pierce through it, basically. I mean, but the force, you know, like I say in my video, the force I think is real. And I've been gardening and, you know, just being outside in nature and the mosquitoes. I've been praying to the mosquito gods because they've been eating me alive. And like, how can I surrender to the mosquito gods? Because they are my higher power right now, man. I'm powerless. Like, even if I deed up and like I'm in full, but I don't want to do that necessarily either. Because yeah. that's sort of toxic stuff too. So it's like, 
I'm feeding them, you know. I don't know. I just, I think it's real, the power. The water here. Ooh. The cold water training here, the breath. I've been dorking out about the breath a lot. Mm -hmm. I think the breath is force. In yoga, it's prana. And it means the same thing. It's chi and tai chi or whatever. And uh, yeah. Just because it's a Hollywood movie doesn't mean they're not touching on pretty deep truths. Right. Like that idea came from somewhere. Right. It seems pretty obvious that George Lucas is referencing. I do. I think he must have been meditating or practicing yeah. <laughs> or yoga. Or yeah, yeah. Like, how do you, how is he channeling Yoda without mm -hmm. some kind of practice? Mm -hmm. Like that wisdom, you know? Brendan, do you mm -hmm. have, while we're over here geeking out, um, do you have any sort of like fictional heroes or like mentors or like guides that from your childhood or even now that? Bob Marley. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. Were addicts. Oh, yeah. But their first spiritual experiences were at a Grateful Dead show and stuff. Go ahead, Jimmy. Sorry. Are you good? I was going to say, I've never had any fictional characters because, and I don't know why. Like, I know, and people always get mad at me. Well, because a lot of my friends are nonfiction. I mean, are fiction writers but i've always been interested in nonfiction, in tv and books and so i've never really read many nonfiction books or married sorry read many fiction books and so i've always been interested in what is like real to me and i know that a lot of other people they've explained to me that through reading these stories or writing these stories about other characters. And, you know, I, clearly, as you just explained, through Yoda and the, you know, multitude of messages that are kind of layered in Star Wars, people can relate that back to reality. But for me, it's just never been an experience that I've ever had or been able to kind of grasp just because I'm so fascinated with the intricacies of human beings and how just like fascinating people are in general. Yes. It, sometimes it's even true that reality is more far-fetched <laughs> and crazy than you know, a fiction book would be. You know? mm -hmm. Natural Born Heroes? Have you guys talked? We haven't talked about that. Oh. You guys know who Chris McDougal is. Have you read McDougal's, any McDougal stuff? No, I haven't. Well, that's what got me into Barefoot Running, was that book Born to Run. That's what changed the whole shoot. Mm -hmm. You saw this five fingers and the nails and those minimal shoes and stuff come out, start coming out. That was all because of that book. And if you're talking about nonfiction stuff you're interested in, man, that, that book is so fascinating on so many levels because it had an actual like billion dollar market impact on the shoe industry. Uh -huh. um, but then it's got just the anthropological background to barefoot running and, and running in sandals and 
which is all we've been wearing for um, 200,000 years. I mean, it's only in the past 200 years we've had shoes. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's also fascinating because um, it's this guy from the U.S. that goes down to Mexico and starts living with the, the Tarahumara tribe down there and creates an ultra marathon. And uh, it's just a really, it's, it's one of those stories that if it weren't true, but then his next book, you might, you might dig on too, which I just, I just love. It's called Natural Born Heroes and it's about parkour. It's got a lot of parkour anatomy and, and uh, physiology stuff and ultra running, but it's all, you know, he, he weaves all this science in with these great real stories that happen, which is when the Nazis were going to just hopscotch up to Russia and win World War II, they decided to invade Crete on their way, um, which is a Greek island. And uh, they dropped like 280,000 paratroopers on the island. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Cretans were like, uh-uh. And they just, they just kicked their asses. <laughs> just became like ultra runners. And they kidnapped, they actually kidnapped a Nazi general on the island and smuggled him off on a British submarine. And it's just the whole story about why these guys were so cool, like awesome. And it's because they were shepherds and farmers. And they had this idea in their head from Greek mythology that anyone could be a hero. And so they all became these badass heroes. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> That's sort of a sort of a side note, but those are my, some of my heroes too. Are the Tarahumara natives of Mexico and the Navajos in New Mexico that they can run two hundred, you know, two hundred miles easy, mm-hmm. just moving naturally like they used to with the herds of caribou. And, um, you know, that's how we essentially born to run is about. The, the only advantage we have in the grow bigger brains, essentially, to become the most dominant species was endurance running, was our ability to be more efficient, upright, and sweat. And I actually met the guy that, in, that influenced Christopher McDougall. He's called Daniel Lieberman. There's some great stuff on YouTube. He's this barefoot um, evolutionary biology professor at Harvard. And he runs around the Harvard campus barefoot all the time. And um, they call him barefoot professor because he's always just, no one thinks he's a weirdo. But he learned how, how persistence hunting worked, how we used to run around and survive and scavenge even, you know, we were mostly scavengers to start. Um, he's just been barefoot running. And he has a book called The Story of the Human Body, which is just like epic, epic. Mm-hmm about how we evolved. Fascinating. I was an anthropology major. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because I think we as a human species think that we have evolved uh, so drastically because people see our technological development as evolution. But in reality, we're really the same species or same like general body type that we were, you know, 3,000 years ago. We're really young as a species. 
250,000 years or 300,000 years or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like the Homo erectus and all them, they could, they had, they had some bipedalism, but they still had a bunch of hair. And the Neanderthals were stronger, but they were, I mean, they were too hairy. They couldn't move like us over distance. They couldn't sweat. They couldn't thermoregulate like we can. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we can chase down on a hot day. There's a there's some cool stuff on YouTube. Uh, there's a doc called The Great Dance. Have you guys seen that one? No. Like, running down an antelope over like 14 miles in like a blazing hot sun. And the antelope just overheats because it can't cool down. If you keep it at a trot, its physiology is such that its its lung is tied to its diaphragm, is tied to its its leg muscles. So every step, it has to take a breath. So it overheat, and this is what Lieberman discovered, which is what McDougall used for Born to Run. And uh, it's, it's amazing. So yeah, our, that that's been huge. But they they you know it it, it was long evolutionary process. You're right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, but then the high fat diet and protein diet allowed us to get the big brain. They've given us all so it's such wonderful technology. Flat <laughs> I'm not trying to, it's just, I, I do believe that shoes, chairs, computers are sort of the worst thing that's ever happened to a body ever. <laughs> In the mm-hmm. yeah but how so this is like a question that i've been grappling with a lot because you know tvs and cell phones and computers and everything that we have now like is a reality you know it it has become so ingrained into uh, what we do as human beings. So how do you navigate that kind of uh, existence? Like, how do you acknowledge that these things exist? And how do you use them most beneficially as tools and not as like, uh, you know, everything? That is the million dollar question, my friend. I think it's going to be, but it's even different now with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I would have said anything that brings me closer, like to other people, like physically, like face to face interactions, this kind of works for me, you know? Mm-hmm. But now you, I mean, you're sort of discouraged to even do that. Mm-hmm. Like Zoom. <laughs> now we have, now we must Zoom. <laughs> it's it's a tough balance and it's only going to get tougher i mean i don't know i think service i just got to trust the service Mm -hmm. give more way than i than i keep because i think the pandemic's also showing us that um even you know that the stuff we're trying to hold on to isn't necessarily the most important stuff anyway Mm -hmm. There's some sort of reactionary fear in our culture that I'm sort of in yoga. We have a there's two ethical and and um, 
moral precepts. And it's the only place there's two of them within the yamas and niyamas, which is they're part of the eight limbs. It's um, two parts of the eight limbs. But there's salka, which is cleanliness. And then there's aparigraha, which is non-hoarding, non-holding non onto. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, I think yoga or Buddhism or mystical Christianity or, you know, Jesus's Sermon on the Mount stuff, the actual gospels, a pretty good guidepost for staying balanced in life as a human. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right, technology takes our attention. It demands our attention. I think we all need to spend more time in the gardens using our hands because that's I've been listening to a lot of Katie Bowman recently. I don't know if you know her, but she has some books called like Move Your DNA and Barefoot, uh, Whole Body Barefoot and Movement Matters and stuff. But she talks a lot about stacking your life, bringing trusting to me, especially moving to a new place. What am I doing when I'm in the garden? And what can I add to that? I'm learning about my food. I'm actually eating food from the garden sometimes directly. I'm moving, I'm squatting, I'm, uh, I'm touching the earth with my feet, I'm grounding. You know, there's this whole thing about the electromagnetism. You actually get grounded when your feet touch the earth. You might actually be able to release the static electricity from your screens if you're barefoot on the earth. Mm. I mean, I, there's a lot of scientific, I haven't read many studies about that, but, you know, she talks about foraging with their family they're moving they're outdoors they're you know how many values how many of my values can i check off my list i'm being of service i'm growing food for other people you know how many values can i check off my list with one activity and those are the activities i need to seek out more of the more stacked they they can be that check off all the values on my that i that i really value in my life hmm yeah, I, I really like that. I think that is a, a really interesting thing on kind of what Ian and I were talking about yesterday, uh, just in a phone call about purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think because the purpose is such a grand uh, uh, question that uh, we were talking about, I think can only, or I was saying, I think can only be understood retrospectively what a purpose was but you can do in the moment what brings you fulfillment but i think adding further on to it this idea that you bring up of, or that katie bowman brought up of stacking i think is really an even better way of framing what you can do in the present moment that could be called you know purpose right one but also my 12 step in my recovery and my yoga teachers talk a lot about sometimes the best thing you can do is take a nap you know mm -hmm. like keep it simple you know sometimes is the is the best thing you know because if i'm not if my battery's not charged if i'm overwhelmed or my attention is pulled in too many different directions or i'm I'm, I'm thinking about stacking my life so much that I overwhelmed by that. 
then that that has the opposite effect sometimes even so you know these are all suggestions obviously like i think the best thing you can do is be mindful like you said and just test it out in your own life in your own body that's hard though mm-hmm. I, mean, I did not have the awareness for that i had to really just go and sit in meetings and listen to other people talk for a long time storytelling mm-hmm. huge thing i value now you know like you telling a bit of my story hearing a bit of yours even though you're not face to face huge for me you know anytime any hey can we can we talk or can give me some suggestions or tell me about what you're interested in or what you know to be a student to be a teacher um to be a service in that way to carry the message where we can even if we don't believe we necessarily have anything to say which i don't which i don't a lot of the time <laughs> think i do uh-huh. But, you know, that's just another selfish sort of avoidance tactic, too, it can be. So, yeah, yeah, I I think you're asking great questions, you both you guys. That's where it starts. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, Yoda. <laughs> I'm like, speak up. All right, all right, Or not. Or yes. Mind. Questions, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to have Joe over and get to know him a little bit better. Just mm-hmm. asking guys, it's, it's um, one of my teachers, you know, your openness is the curiosity, and if you can stay curious. Mm-hmm. You just have to battle, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Because we're in a bad world, but we can figure out where we can navigate if we can be curious about it. Ask questions. And also, just to keep it simple, like um, to, a- to answer a little more to your previous question is like, Maybe the most important thing is just to wake up in the morning and do some deep breathing. Mm. You know, if the yoga's right, if Yoda is right, breath, I mean, respiration, inspiration, and spirit all come from the same root word, which is inspirare. It's a Latin word, which means to encourage people to better effort, to inspire. If all we do is take 10 deep breaths, maybe we can just be a little more grounded, bring a little more space, be a little more connected, and bring a little more inspiration into ourselves and into the world. Um, but I'd say morning practice, if I had to give one answer to your question, something in the morning to set the intention and bring some breath in. Huh. Or, or ask questions or be curious. <laughs> <laughs> do that in my morning practice. I do all those things. You know, I try to. Yeah. I was just thinking I, that just brought up another idea, but I take cold showers in the morning. Yes. But 
<laughs> I never really knew. I just knew that it helped me uh, kind of get all of my energy flowing. And But the way that you just talked about breath, I was like, oh, like, that is why, you know. Yeah, because you take that, uh-huh. that deep inhale, at least, even if you're not even conscious of it, right? When you hit that, when that cold hits mm-hmm. you. Have you tried with the Wim Hof? Have you tried any of the Wim Hof stuff? Yeah, I did uh, a little bit of the Wim Hof. I've done the Wim Hof breathing techniques a couple of times. Um, just the one that like is on his app. Right. Uh and then a little bit of the cold water stuff. That's actually how I got into it. And then I just started, I was like, you know what, for like a little bit, I'm just going to do it just because like, I'm just going to wake up and do a cold shower every day just because I didn't really have anything else to challenge myself. So I was like, this is something that I can do right now. And then it's just, ever since then, it's become incorporated daily into, I never take warm showers. <laughs> Right. That's great. I would say it even begins, and, and he talks about it too, but I say it begins even before the cold showers with the breath. I mean, because a lot of people do the Wim Hof, but they sort of focus on the cold instead of the breathing. Mm. But without the breathing, it's, people usually don't, it's not sustainable, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, dude, that's a, that's a game changer, I think. Inhaling. And then exhaling less than you inhale. So you get hyper, hyperoxic. Mm. No, no, oxic is less is without oxygen. Hyperoxic is with extra oxygen. Like just to hyperoxygenate yourself, um, hyperventilate. It's also called, but I think it's different. I don't know all the terminology, but yeah, that's been huge. It's called uh, hermetic hormetic stress. Have you guys heard about this? No. Hermetic stress, they're doing a bunch of studies. And Wim Hof's doing one with the University of San Francisco right now. And there's some stuff on YouTube I was watching with the psychiatrist there. And um, it's like a bell-shaped curve. So that if you stress yourself to the top of the curve, you just become stronger, better, faster, more ground. Like, everything is better. You just become, like, a, a more complete human like um but if you go off the other side you're like traumatizing yourself you're going to fight flight yeah so you have to like find this this sweet spot and and cold water is a good way to do it mm. if you breath with you the breath allows you to process the, the stress and they're doing studies on depression and stuff right now at the university of san francisco and all this yeah but it's it goes beyond i mean it's jedi training man it's it's not <laughs> I mean, the hunter ga- I mean, it's, it's not though. It's just hunter gather. We were hunter yeah. gatherers for so long. Mm-hmm. We could run thirty miles and fight a fucking mountain lion and kill a deer and go home and reproduce and get up and do it the next day. Fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we only lived to thirty, but <laughs> that that was because we also didn't have dentists and stuff. <laughs> What Brendan was kind of saying, how he's fascinated with, right? You know, because it's amazing. It really is. Like if we're talking about it right now. I have to open up a Harry Potter book to see some family <laughs> things. 
No, we're miraculous. Our bodies are miracles of, of whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, evolution mm-hmm. or higher power and God or whatever. Mm-hmm. And our ancestors, you know, we're pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for us to make it to where we are, like each of us individually to make it to where we are right now. It's just absolutely mind uh-huh. Yeah, fascinating. Well, it's great you guys are doing this podcast, and um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being here. That was that was awesome. I loved everything about it. Let's go uh, run around the woods sometime. Yeah, for sure. If I ever, uh, once I come back up there, we'll have to go run oh, around. Even Savannah, Are you in Savannah? Oh, sorry, not Savannah. What's the time? Uh, it's Statesboro, but you might as well just say Savannah. But I'm I, I'm happy to send you link you guys links too you know to any of the stuff I talked about and um, Rolf Gates is awesome Nikki Myers um, with watching the Dutch the Dutch canal vaulters mm-hmm. first lipping mm-hmm. I mean all pole vault and javelin stuff came from wanting to clear rivers and jump over enemies fences and throw spears at saber tooth tigers and stuff all recreational stuff now has a Historical or evolutionary or history to it almost. Why does everyone run a marathon? Yeah. Why do you think it's fun? Because we used to do it all the fucking time. <laughs> well, thanks, Joe. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, if you want to connect with me, teach about barefoot running or yoga or recovery or anything like that, natural movement, it's the at JLU. 108 is my intro. It's at J and then L E W 108. All right, Brennan. Thank you. Love yeah. You. See ya. Love you.